Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis. America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis. Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi there, and welcome back to this episode. I am delighted to have with us today uh, Sue Hay Piedra, right? Did I say that right too? Piedra? And <laughs> Yes, you did. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. We are so happy to have you here today. And uh, Suhei and I are actually part of a network of women called the Dames. And um, that's how we met. And so I invited her to be on the show because uh, she's got a couple things that that I think are really, really important for us to talk about. So um, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for um, listening to us today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. And I'm hoping that you'll take lots of great notes and um, that you have some actionable items that you can put into play. So we're going to talk about taxes today. We're going to talk, oh, <laughs> that's a four letter word, right? Um, we're going to talk about <laughs> A-X-E-O, five letter word. Um, we're going to talk about taxes. We're going to talk about real estate. We're going to talk about breaking through ceilings. Um, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things. And for those of you that are listening, um, as you're listening, uh, just know that we're actually recording this one podcast for two separate podcasts. So there may be some questions that uh, are related to another podcast and vice versa. And um, that's just how we flow. That's how we flow. We kill two birds with one stone, right? So let me introduce you to Suhei. She has over 20 years of tax preparation experience and provides a unique approach. She co-founded Prominence Business in 2018 uh, with her two sisters, and they're beautiful. I saw the pictures online. Um, she's dedicated to helping clients with annual tax planning and tax saving strategies. And boy, do we need that nowadays, right, with inflation and all that good stuff. Her mission is to have financial conversations that are sometimes not easy. So they're adult conversations, but always necessary for future planning. So with that, welcome to the show. I can't wait to get started. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So let's just, I want to dive into this, um, you know, like right away, we're in 2023 as we're, as we're recording this particular show and, you know, we're heading into 2024. What are, what are some of the things that you're seeing this year 
that may be different from last year. And I'm not talking about what the federal government put, government puts out as far as you know, rules, regulations, new code, et cetera. What are you seeing from business owners? What are you seeing from people? What are they trying to accomplish? And then what do you see for going forward in 2024? And that might have to do with code, <laughs> but what do you see going forward? Well, I mean, uh, the the fact that I've had 20 years of experience, you know, I went through the 2008, you know, 2009 craziness that happened and a lot of people are afraid and feel that there's something like that lingering. Mm -hmm. And in reality, sitting behind uh, you know my desk and meeting with clients in and out, that's really not the case. You know, um, obviously, I don't have a crystal ball. Anything can happen. But what I think that all of this talk is doing is just holding people up on goals and opportunities that they had and they're just now unsure of what to do so there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines not because they're not they don't have the financial you know the capability of moving forward but because they hear all this stuff and they just don't know if they should move forward or not and in my opinion we're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table because we're just waiting yeah. you know so we're definitely seeing a lot of that we we do a lot of tax planning and so we meet with our clients on a quarterly basis so i've been uh you know i'm i'm kind of using their their financials their profit and loss statement to guide us and show them look the revenue is still there your your numbers have not dropped even though you feel like you know there's this looming you know recession or there's something coming your numbers are showing that you're still growing so let's use those as far, you know, to help us and position us better than what everyone else is talking about, because it's definitely reflected different in our financials. And that's why I encourage people to do their bookkeeping, keep track of their numbers, you know, on a month to month basis, because they're telling us a story. If you're only preparing your books for taxes, you, you know, you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. You're preparing taxes to, you're preparing your numbers for taxes, which is just to present a bill to Uncle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> you want to set new goals so we know how much we are, so we can know how much money to put aside for taxes, but most importantly, so we know what to do so that we can eliminate some of that tax. So we can take a, you know, um, develop new strategies to take advantage of during the current calendar year. So yeah. that's what we love to promote to clients is with planning, we win. If you don't plan, you're just letting Uncle Sam take, you know, take your money. So yeah. You know, I for think the new year, I mean, go ahead. No, no, I'm just, uh, you know, for, for the new year, I, I really don't know. It, I think it's going to depend on, if people are going to get tired of waiting and sitting on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always say that sitting on the fence, you get splinters. <laughs> right? You get splinters sitting on the fence and, and whether it's because it, because of the inaction, you know, or, you know, the, the concern for risk or the lost opportunity, you know, I think that that that's what happens when you sit on the fence and I love keeping money in flow and keeping everything in flow. So, um, you know, I, I just want to commend you for meeting with your clients on a quarterly basis. I can't tell you over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, 
how many times I've said, you know, if, where are the financial, the, the CPAs or the accountants that are, where are the people that are look that are contacting you on a regular basis to do course correction during the year, rather than waiting till the end of the year and it's all too late. And the only thing you can do is, oh, we'll get an IRA, you know? And I, I just think that that is the most silly strategy, but I see it all over the place. Why do you think that is a strategy mm -hmm. for most finance? I mean, I keep saying financial planners most because you're like a financial planner. Um, why, why do you think that that's a strategy for most accountants? I don't understand that. The ugly truth, and it's ugly because it's so standard in the tax professional world, okay? Because you don't have to be a CPA to do taxes. You don't have to be, uh, you know, I'm an enrolled agent. Uh, you don't have to be an enrolled agent. Uh, you literally just need a state license to do taxes in your state. And um, the ugly truth is that everyone has to do taxes and they're all due at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And everybody hates doing their taxes. I don't think I've met, you know, more than a handful of people that say that they enjoy doing their taxes. Right. right. And what happens is it's become the norm. It's mm -hmm. become the norm to say, I hate taxes. I don't want to deal with them. I'll ignore them to the last very second and all that does is it allows Uncle Sam to take advantage of us mm -hmm. because the professionals are not doing anything to change your course. They are simply preparing last minute returns. They don't have time to even process and think of what's on this return. Mm -hmm. It's inputting information into a computer. Whatever it spits out is what you get. So there's no thought process behind it. And that has become the norm of this industry. So what we tell clients is, you see when it's tax season, everyone's rushing just to meet a deadline, not to play the game, not to position yourself better, nothing. It's simply to just meet this deadline. And you're you're completely blindfolded on what's behind all of this. What does all this mean? Why do you owe this money? Why are you getting a refund? And it doesn't have to be self-employed individuals. This is W-2 earners as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's so many things that could be done, but it's too late at in April. It's too yeah. late. You yeah. should have been doing this during the calendar year. Yeah. So people yeah. feel defeated in my opinion. So, and there's not many of us that focus on the tax planning. Now. Right. Uh, do you think it's in the best? Well, I shouldn't say, but it definitely is in the best interest of the consumer. But do you think that this, this responsibility lies on the consumer to yank their tax preparer out of their coma and say, hey, I need your help all through the year. Do you think that it, is that what is required or is it, you know what, if that's how you want to do it, then go ahead and do it. I'll find someone who will do some tax planning with me. Where do you think the responsibility lies, you know, if the consumer really wants to do um, planning strategy? The, the problem, I, I mean, there's, it, it's really a sad situation because I'll meet people that be like, I've been looking for someone like you. I just couldn't find you because I don't know what you're called. So mm -hmm. a lot of the times we are so rare that they don't know what to look for. So it's like, what do you look for when you don't know what you're looking for in a sense, <laughs> right? You just know that there should be something better. And, and so that makes it really hard, right? And you can look up a tax professional tax planner and Google it 
every office that you call is really not a tax planner. There's just, you know, tax preparers. Yeah. So you kind of get defeated. You get defeated until you find the right one. And that's why I take the time to do these podcasts and to try to do, um, you know, interviews and to try to do, to try to get the message out there as much as I can and to say, hey, we do exist, you know, and I'm in groups with other CPAs, other tax professionals, but they're not that many and we're all scattered across the country. And so it's really hard to say that, you know, we could um, take on the volume of people once they identify what tax planning is. Um, because tax planning takes time. Yeah, I meet with my clients one or two hours. You know, a regular preparer can't do that. You got to get the returns done in 15, 20 minutes because of the difference. I know my clients, we go, you know, we plan together. We look at the numbers and figure out, you know, where's the return on this investment. So there's a lot more involved with what I do than just preparing a return and saying, here you go. But our industry, our people need the help because the amount of tax savings I discover with just one session, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 50, 20, you know, 50, 70,000, 90,000. And I'm like, all this money has been going to uncle Sam all of these years. Yeah. So don't ask, you know, uh, what do you, you know, what can I do? It's like, I'm telling you, there's so many strategies out there that you can apply to turn them into a main, I mean, an enormous amount of tax savings. Yeah. And I hear that all the time. You know, one of the things that I do is I'm, I'm a speaker at real estate investor seminars, right? Um, and I go there for a different reason because I have, you know, a history, a 40 year career, you know, having been in mortgage lending, I'm no longer, but um, but I go there and I'm the bridge, you know, the, the person who gaps the bridge be between um, I want to do fix and flips to um, I want to do buy and holds, at, you know, or go down some alley, <laughs> you know, try to get some hard money. And I and this is one of the challenges that I have, you know, even in doing that speaking is trying to help people understand there's a scale, uh, not a scalability up, but a, a sliding scale of um, this is where you go the first time. This is why you would go to the next level, the next level, the next level. And then yes, you can go down the back alley and get some hard money if that's what you want to do. But don't just go there. There are plenty of opportunities available. And so I'm there to help guide them, you know, through that. And it sounds like that's exactly what what you need to be doing, right? And especially these investor kind of things, you know, is going there and helping them understand. I just spoke at one this past weekend and, um, you know, and started saying, and I, I kept saying, okay, here's my, here's my uh, disclosure. I am not a financial planner. I am not a tax consultant. <laughs> I am not an attorney, right? I don't know any of that, but I was sharing with them some of the little idiosyncrasies that are required in order to be able to write off re real estate, right? In order to be able to write off some real estate um, interest you know, unless you are a professional investor, unless you are a real estate agent, you know, and people were just dumbfounded, right? And I hear this all the time. I used to hear this a lot as a lender. Yeah. Is that legal? Can you do that? I didn't know about that. That's what I think people are going to find when they start working with a tax planner. And wouldn't you agree that that these are out there and they are perfectly fine? But how many times are you told that? Or is someone said said that to you? Right. And I call them um, our brainstorming sessions, right? Um, our unique approach is real estate. I love real estate. I've 
you know, I've, I explain this to clients when I do, you know, when I tell them why I promote real estate, look, I'm not a real estate agent. You know what I'm saying? I don't get commissions off of selling real estate, but I see the benefits in it, in the tax world. I, I see how you can make, um, cash flow through these properties and yet it be tax free. You know, it's how can I make this a write-off? So once you start to learn and we educate you on what you can and can't do, it's amazing the things that you start to unlock and how you start to realize that you could do this and you could do that. But it's everybody has different goals, first of all, right? And so that's one of the things we talk about is what is the ultimate goal? Is it to retire early? Is it to pay for you know school um, school for the kids? Is it to just have a better future for when you are retired, you know? And so it's, um, I was just telling a client, it's like planting seeds. We're planting all these little real estate pods, right? And in the future, you have options. I've seen clients who are in their 80s and they have to sell their primary residence because that's the only asset that they have. And Uncle Sam will tax them on that because they bought it years ago. And now they're desperately having to sell it because what's happening today, what's happening with all these baby boomers, medical is being driven through the roof Yeah. because it's, it's, it's a big necessity for that, you know, in, but for those individuals. So everything is more expensive and inflation is catching up to what they thought they were going to retire on a very comfortable income. Right. And that is not the case. Yeah. And I hate having to be delivering all this bad news, you know? So my goal is just to educate, get the message out, let individuals know that if you're making $50,000, $70,000, it's possible. If you're making half a million dollars, it's possible. Like so much is possible when we plan and we strategize and we are the controllers of the game. Yeah. Oh, that's music to my ears. And that I just love hearing it uh, because so many people are just so need, in need of understanding money just generally, you know, with this, this is one of the things we're talking about, you know, in another group that I'm in is just for that financial literacy. It's, it's sort of like we ha- we know that in order to lose weight, we have to eat well and exercise, but we don't apply it. And financial literacy is like that. We know we need to save. We know we need to find tax benefits. We know we need to invest. We know we need to have multiple streams of income. We need to not have everything in in one basket, right? But it's the application that becomes the issue, you know, for so many people. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about uh, glass ceilings because I, you know, when we were talking in the green room about your investing. So, you know, I know you're an advocate for real estate. You talk a lot about real estate taxes to people. Um, what, tell us about your, uh, your discovery or your path or your experience when you bar- you purchased your first home. Now you're a buy and hold investor. So you're buying properties and holding that for rental income. Um, tell us about how difficult it was to break through that glass ceiling. That first one. What I tell clients is, look, I'm in it just like you guys are. I the what I'm doing. My advantage is that I'm applying all of these years of watching all these people make mistakes and yeah. watching all these people make money off of other people's mistakes. You know, and so I'm like, wait a minute, why why is it that I can't share the good messages, the bad messages to people so that we stop? making these kind of mistakes and we take advantage of these opportunities. And so 
when you, you know, with tax planning, I give you advice, right? We sit down, we brainstorm. I, I try to help navigate this path with you and tell you what you should do, just like anybody else would, right? Financial planner, any type of coach, they'll tell you kind of what to do. But then clients would come to me and be like, that's a great strategy. Now, how do I do it? And who do I go ask? Or what's the next step? Yeah. And well, like I said, I'm not a real estate agent. So I'd be like, okay, well, you got to go find a lender. We got to go talk to them about purchasing power. We got to go show them your financials. We got to go find a real estate agent. So it was like, you know, literally holding their hand through the process. And so I'm like, this is what people need. They they love the idea, but they want some sort of a little bit of accountability behind it, right? Yeah. And so I didn't know what to do after that. So what happened was one of my clients, I reached out and I said, hey, you have tons of properties all over the place. I mean, I hate doing your tax return because of all the properties you have. <laughs> I need to start. I need to figure out who do I contact, Right. And so he got me a really good contact the first time around. And I started to play the game myself. I'm like, if I'm going to teach my clients how to do this and who to contact and what are the steps, then I need to be familiar with it. And I started to do it. I started to invest. Um, my first property was $70,000 in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I did the mistake that I tell clients not to do. I'm like, I'm going to buy it cash. And here's my cash. Oh boy. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I teach leverage. <laughs> what am I doing here? Right. right. And so I, I had to back out. Um, I was the, the, when I made the initial offer, there was a counter offer. And so when I did, when I accepted that, I, that's when I decided to just pull the cash out of the table and only put the bare minimum, which ended up being like $17,000 or something like that. And so then I was like, wow, now I could do this again, you know? Yeah. And so I got excited, just like clients excited when they start to play because it was so easy. The second property I purchased was literally during tax season. And I, it was so simple for me to do it and yeah. run a tax office during tax season. And this is what I tell clients. It says it's once you get through the fear of how and all of the processes, I said, it becomes so much easier. I get clients that get addicted to this. I have to slow them down because there's a strategy behind it. You can't just go buying all the stuff. Yeah. There's a strategy, right? Uh, but people get excited because now what we have done is we have put teams of real estate agents and property managers together. And now you, what you could do is you, whatever state is within your budget, you reach the, you know, you reach the team and you already have a property manager and a real estate agent that can sell you a property in that area. So it's kind of neat that people are like, thank you. You, you helped me figure out how, what the tax savings is going to be. And now I'm going to go to this group and I'm going to get the property and it's going to be rented. Some of them do Airbnbs, but all with the purpose of seeing the results in their tax returns. So come the end of the year or tax season, we can actually see what the numbers are doing, how money's working for you. And I can honestly tell you this, that, you know, when I purchased my properties two years ago, there was this, you know, I got to ride the, the hike of the market yeah. and these properties grew in value really quick. So to the point that I think uh, they were worth 130 at some point right now, they're a little bit lower because of the, the, the steadiness of the market. But regardless, this is what I tell people, you're not going to get rich of the $100, you know, cash flow you get on these properties. It's the fact that this is a future plan, a long-term plan. And now you can do a 1031 exchange for an apartment complex. I mean, there's just, the possibilities are endless. 
And that's what we talk about during our sessions is yeah. what's our next step? What's our next move? How is this going to, you know, make the tax return look? So I get super excited when, when we, yeah. when we plan all this stuff out. I do, I do too. I, do. I did it. Yeah. As a lender, I do too. I love that. I love the uh, creativeness of, you know, pulling stuff together and, and things like that. Um, well, when I was a lender. Um, so what do you, what is, um, what's the biggest, I don't know if I want to ask myth or mistake, <laughs> myth and mistake, because there's, you know, most people think, um, I, I guess, or, or maybe let's, let me rephrase this. What, what's the biggest tax advantage to having um, rental income or having investment properties? What's the biggest tax advantage that maybe people don't know about? It's definitely going to be, of course, depreciation, right? Because that's a, a, a given number by the IRS that is, is a deduction, but yet money is not flowing out of your pocket, right? Yeah. Uh, right now, with some of the tax laws available with cost segregation, we can definitely, um, you know, take advantage of, um, of uh, accelerated depreciation. Right, of pushing it And forward. we can create really cool write-offs. Or we can... Correct. So, there, but there's, it goes beyond that. When you are driving this tax return, the possibilities are endless. You know, we can do so many really cool things when you apply strategy and purpose behind it. What is your goal? Now, let's make this return, you know, create that path that's going to lead you to that goal. So I take advantage of a lot of different things. I love playing the depreciation board and I love, I love offsetting income properties with, um, uh, you know, um, losses. Mm -hmm. And I love releasing losses that are generated by high earning individuals. So yeah. there's a lot of things that you can do. And um, that's where you really see like my passion behind it, because there's the, the challenge is, Hey, let's figure out a way that we can make this tax free. And believe me, there's so many ways out there that you could it's just nobody takes the time to really apply them. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, I love doing what I do. Uh, yeah. Well, it's obvious. It's obvious. Um, so what do you say to someone who has W-2 earnings and they're, you know, at 250 and 350 and 400,000 and they don't have any write-offs? I mean, this is where obviously real estate comes in, but is there anything else that they could be doing to write off aside from real estate? First of all, I tell them thank you because they're the ones that are paying the majority of the taxes in this country. I'm sorry. You yeah. know, um, the system is definitely made for the W-2 earner to pay the taxes, right? Uh, but the but there's still ways. And especially if there's a passion behind what you do, you know, I can't tell a doctor, oh, quit what you're doing if, if the passion is there, right? right? But it going to work because you have to or because you love to are two different emotions and your drive to work is a lot different, right? Yeah. And what I tell individuals is, look, if we create, we always have to say, you know, Uncle Sam, you're winning today, but I'm setting myself up to win tomorrow. So what I do with my high earning individuals is look, paying taxes is not always bad. You get something that my self-employed individuals struggle with, which is purchasing power. It's easy to to uh, to verify your income. Lenders love you and they'll lend you the money because you're so easy to, to document, right? So I tell them, let's take advantage of that. Let's take advantage of that tool 
and go out and create a really cool real estate portfolio, um, even if it's a business, but I like I said, I love real estate. So I'll, I'll demonstrate it with real estate. And well, let's go create a real estate portfolio that's generating cash flow. And let's make that cash flow tax-free. And one day you can say, I want to go part-time. My spouse can retire early. I can retire early. And now we completely live tax-free for the rest of our life. So that's what I mean, you win tomorrow, right? When we plan correctly, I have clients that have retired at age 53. They're not collecting 401k. They're not collecting any type of social security because they're too young. But it's okay because guess who's who's providing all of that, their their day-to-day -day, um, you know, living expenses is these real estate properties that they acquired. Yeah. And now they pick up some, uh, some of them become um, like a coach or a mentor of some sort. Do what you want with your time. Do make what makes you happy. Spend time with your family. Know that your bases are covered and that it's only going to get better because when you turn age, you know, you know, 60 or whatever, you start collecting your social security or your 401k or your pension, whatever, that there's still other sources. But when we don't plan, that's not the case. We are living by whoever dictates us, which is yeah. you can't retire till age this and you can't collect this until this age. So right. it's not the same. Yeah. It's a whole nine to five to your 65, right? You're stuck in it. You, you know, and then you have that zombie walk of, I hate what I'm doing, but I'm stuck. I don't have an outlet. I don't have an exit strategy, you know, and we've seen that so often, you know, with so many, so many businesses. Let me, let me ask you, thank you for sharing all of that. Let me ask you a little bit about the, the business owner today. I, I know that there's an employee retention credit that's out there. I'm getting ridiculous phone calls constantly about this. And, you know, because I, I couldn't get PPE or PP, you know, PPP, I couldn't get either of them because I don't have any W2 employees, but they still call me because I'm a corporation, right? Um, I know the employee um, credit is out there. That's something that, that business owner, owners need to be looking at, uh, you know, for their W-2 employees. Um, but what what do you think is the biggest mistake that that uh, self-employed, whether LLC, S-Corp, C, it doesn't matter, but, you know, the entrepreneur, the small business owner, what are what are some of the mistakes yeah. that the, the, the startups or the just rising make? that prevent them from going further? Oh, well, that's a tough question, right? Because <laughs> there's so many things out there. I mean, the, this ERC credit, the PPP were all amazing credits. And it's sad that, you know, obviously people took advantage of it, abused it to the point that it's, you know, now scary with some of the audits that are coming because of it, you know? Um, but then I had legitimate people that qualify and didn't want to apply for it because they were scared. They're like, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if I'm going to have to pay it back and, you know, all these things. So it's, it's missed opportunity there. Right. Uh, but the, but the ERC, the, the, what's happening right now is individuals that are starting to receive that ERC. It's not like the PPP where you can get the credit and also take the deduction. The ERC is you you get the funds, but you have to remove it from your payroll expense. So some of these people are having to pay some taxes because their expenses went down by whatever is this credit, right? right. And so um, I just did a calculation on one of them. It still benefits to get free money. Don't get me wrong. I still would apply, you know, I would still encourage you that you apply. 
because I'd rather pay some taxes and, 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 you know, get, keep the rest of it for free than not get it at all. The, what you have to be careful is some of these companies are really aggressive. We've been getting audits where uh, these companies, you know, declared this, this, and this filled out the forms a little too aggressive. And so what ends up happening is they were never supposed to qualify for that much or maybe they weren't supposed to qualify mm -hmm. at all. And so before you know it, you know, this is causing a bigger headache than it's all worth. Oh man. But I encourage people that you still apply with a credible company and somebody that's going to be looking out for your benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from the ERC, what, uh, what else, what else is there out there that, that um, small business owners are not, um, you know, not looking, not looking at and should be that that is detrimental to their business? Is it not paying their quarterly or filing their quarterly and paying all these fees? Is it not um, paying themselves and trying to find some safe harbor 401ks? Uh, you know, if that's what they wanted to do? Is it not, you know, putting W2 people on their on their payroll versus, you know, still paying the 1099s. What do you think is is one of the biggest flaws that there is that that really stumps and um, makes makes business owners stay where they're at and they just become a low end business owner for the rest of their lives. And that's not what they intended to do. So it's going to be a combination of all of the things you just mentioned. When we meet with our clients, I like to talk to them about the quadrants, right? Yeah. I like to mention to them, look, you graduated from being a W employee to becoming self-employed. Congratulations. Let's celebrate that. You took right. a big leap, right? Yeah. And so when you acknowledge that, you've got to understand that you, you have to continue. And the next quadrant is becoming a business owner. Yeah. And what does that entail? It, I take the time to explain that to them because there is a huge difference. Before you know it, your your company, your job, you know, your um, you know, whatever you created to to your little side hustle turned into your to your job will consume you more than nine to five. Yeah. If you know you're passionate about it and um and you're doing out there what you know, you're hustling and do what you got to do to make this thing successful. If you're not planning accordingly, it will consume you. And I tell clients a lot of the time, the goal is to know how to control it so that we can graduate over to the business owner and onto the investor side, right? Yeah. And so, but a lot of a lot of times people don't see that, don't understand that, they've never heard of that. And um, when we're self-employed, all those things hold us back. I have people that stash money in a mattress thinking that that's the best thing to do. Right. And I'm like, no, that is not the best thing to do because you're really not growing wealth. Show oh. me the wealth. Once that money runs out, what happens? Where have you planted these seeds? How is it going to work for you? And so they're like, oh, but I'm not paying taxes. I will tell clients paying taxes is not a bad thing if you know how to use it. If you know how to pay your fair share and use it to your benefit, we can really grow wealth. The problem is that's not what everyone's talking about. People feel proud of the fact that they're not paying taxes, that they're hiding all this money. But what happens is when, when your business businesses have industry, they're in industries, they're cycles. What happens when your cycle is down? What happens when your industry goes away or something happens is the cash runs out and you never did anything with that. Yeah, You never created purchasing power or created different streams of income. 
Yeah. And so all of a sudden you're left with nothing again. Yeah. And I hate to see people go through that because yeah. they don't know that there's a better way out there. Yeah. I mean, that brings up, you know, sales brings- tax is aggressive. Oh, I know. I know. That and, uh, yeah. I'm saying sales tax is aggressive, payroll tax. There's a lot of taxes out there that these agencies will literally come in and seize your property. They're very aggressive, but yeah. you need to have guidance. And that's what, you know, that's what we're trying to do is send out the message that there's companies out there that will help you. Yeah. What do you say to someone who is a small business owner and says, you know, I'm going to do my own bookkeeping uh, because I can't afford to get a bookkeeper, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they're going to make mistakes, but then they can't afford to get a bookkeeper. Is there, there are different levels of bookkeeping that you still can feel comfortable that you're getting the right advice and somebody's not going to, you know, mess things up. Is there, where, where do they find that so that they can grow with the need? Because there are big financial firms, there are big, you know, tax planning firms. And then there's the little guy where, where do we, as business owners find the right fit? How do, how do we do that? Um, so we can move from the left side of the quadrant as that business owner over to the right side. So you could keep your books on an Excel spreadsheet, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's, you know, maybe you're using QuickBooks or maybe you have a bookkeeper or a virtual assistant that's helping you. At the end of the day, a lot of the times individuals just do this for the tax return. You mm-hmm. have to read the reports on a monthly basis. Familiar, yeah. so be familiar with what's on there because what happens is that's how you're going to be able to stop if there's any kind of bleeding going on, yeah. if you foresee something that, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, it's coming and you can change all of that. When people bring up the fact that they can't afford something, then let's make it affordable. Go out. How many clients do we need to get to be able to afford a bookkeeper? Right. How many more, you know, widgets do you have to sell to be able to afford something like this? Because at the end of the day, in my experience, you're not keeping the money anyways. It's going to Uncle Sam because you're not keeping your books accordingly, because you're not planning accordingly. You're not you're not really looking at the return on this investment. So I encourage individuals to put more attention to their business, work on their business, not just in their business. And they will see the business grow to the point that it's working for them and they're not working in their business. Yeah. It's so doable. I, and I, I talk about it all yeah. the time. I've done it. It's yeah, it's um it's interesting because it you know, you I I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, I wish I would have known then what I know now. And that that all of that is encapsulated in what you just said is you have to look at it every single month. You have to figure out, hey, where'd this start all of a sudden coming out of my bank account? Where's we, you know, did I that 14 day free turned into something and now it's become, you know, a woulda, coulda, shoulda. I mean, it, it really isolates down to something that's as little as, you know, $7 a month or $14 a month. You really, really have to be looking at that stuff. And, you know, I think that that's, that's great, great advice. Okay. So as we finish up our time together, tell us, um, give us, something what what nugget what do you want to leave us with if there was any message you could give to a listener who's saying look i want to break through this ceiling you know i i want to get involved in real estate i i you know maybe i just need to find tax benefits i'm a business owner i'm not a business owner i'm a w2 what what words of wisdom would you like to give to them as we finish up our time today 
I always recommend, and one of the homework assignments for my clients when they're brand new is you have to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get clients that say, I have already read that. And I will explain, maybe you have, but you're in a different place today than you were when you first read it. And that could have been yeah. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, five years ago. What happens is, and I love using this example when I tell them, when you read this book, things are going to stand out to you that didn't before because mm -hmm. you're in a different stage of your life. You know, I like to put an example when you say, I want to buy a red car, you drive out and all of a sudden there's a red car at every stoplight. Yeah. What you've done is brought that red car to the forefront of your mind. And that's how you will discover when you read that book and you're in investment kind of a mode, you will realize that your neighbor has out of state properties. Your cousin has rentals. You know, <laughs> there's, you know, your best friend has, you know, a portfolio somewhere because that conversation is all of a sudden what you want to talk to uh, and talk about with others. And all these people have been playing the game and you've been left out all this time. Yeah. So and get then. started now and, you know, get educated with all that stuff because it's doable for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you, you bring up Sharon Lecter because she's the co-author of that book and Sharon's a friend of mine. She's been on this podcast. So uh, if you're listening to this, go back and find Sharon's interview and you can hear all about what she has to say, because she actually came out with another book behind Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, about the four quadrants. And then recently just came out a co-authored book with um, another colleague of mine, um, who's a business broker, Michelle, and uh, it's called Exit Rich. And that's another book you should be looking at too, especially if you're a business owner is how do I exit my business rich while I'm building my portfolio over here? I used to call it mailbox income. I call it inbox income now because it just like comes in. Right. <laughs> and it's, and it's pretty cool. And it allowed me that's to, the of it. yeah. And it, it allowed me to, you know, quote, quote, retire from mortgage lending five years ago and allowed for me to do what I love doing now, which which is this and still accumulating, you know, properties and notes and stuff. And the other thing I think too, that I just want to say based on what you had said is, you know, when you have real estate or you have other streams of income that are consistent, reliable, you know, those types, not the loss of, you know, if you had $250,000, you put in the stock market, it might go up, it might go down. Right. But when you put 250 in a property, you're going to gain you know, by monthly cash flow depreciation, you know, equity um, appreciation, all of that. And um, when you have that stream of income coming in, you don't need an emergency fund because the income's always there. Yep. It's just always there. And I think that's powerful. Thank you so much for reminding me about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's what, I mean, I hear it all the time, but thank you so much for reminding our listeners about it as well as go back and read it with a new set of eyes, a new place in your life, um, you know, and that's great, great advice. I'm, I just, I'm so glad to have met you and I'm so glad that, you know, I can't wait to see you on the Danes more and uh, <laughs> I'm so glad to have met you because <laughs> yeah. I have pl plenty of clients I want to send your way. So let me ask you this. Um, are you licensed only in California? Because that's where you're at. Or are you licensed in other states? Because those listening are going to want to know that question. That answer, I should say. Yes, I'm federally licensed. So I'm federally okay. licensed and I do have clients across the country. I mean, I work with different clients in different states. Uh, but no, I, I can take the business. Zoom has amazing capabilities. 
I will treat you like a friend person. We will share my screen. We will go over through, through your tax return number by number. So be prepared to be mind blown because it's amazing the things that we can do with the, with the tax return or the things we'll find in a tax return that you had no idea. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. fun. I love, it. I love it. What is the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Definitely visit our website. It's uh, www.prominencebusiness.com. Give us a call at the office, 626-825-8249. And we're all over social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We have a podcast. So believe me, we try to get the message out as much as possible. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for lending us another strategy to get through this crazy market that we're in and beyond. You know, so now is the time for us to be looking at some of these things, taking a step back and reassessing everything in our lives as we prepare for whatever it is that is to come. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, Suhei. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for listening in today. Please take a quick minute and scroll down and give us a great five-star review and make some comments about what you heard about Suhei, what you're going to do, what you didn't know, what was so enlightening for you. We'd love to see those comments um, in our in our podcast so that we can continue to bring things that you, uh, things and guests and topics that you absolutely love. So with that, I want to again say thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.